This morning, we have a treat. Um, our, we have a, a very good friend of Seth's uh, is going to be preaching for us. Uh, he is, uh, he's the father of three children, all of which first name starts with an H. I'm not sure what that means, but Jason Hayes is his name, and it's Hayden, Hyatt, and, and Henley. So I guess it's H-H-H-H-H-H-H. So that's, that's, I guess it's easy to monogram their, their shirts, and that's why they did that. So Jason, we're delighted that you're here. We know that you're both a friend of Seth's yeah. and a friend of ours. Yeah. He's the founding, founding pastor of Shoreline Church, and Jason, preach the word for us. Thank you. Would. Well, good morning, church. Uh, it's good to see you guys today. Um, I'd planned to, to just be here for a morning, um, and then I heard about a food truck, uh, or an ice cream truck next week, so I may just ask Seth if I can come back again. I don't know. Um, let me, let me uh, just quickly introduce myself just a little bit more. My name is indeed Jason. Um, I am uh, the really, really, really fortunate husband of an amazing wife named Carrie. Uh, we've been married for 20 years, which is hard to believe. And as Jim said, we have three boys, Hayden, Henley, and Hyatt, 15, 12, and 10. And indeed, I am the pastor, or one of the pastors of Shoreline Church uh, out here in West Knoxville. And about 10 years ago, we had the opportunity to, uh, to plant Shoreline. And one of the remarkable things that God has done, uh, in addition to life change and growth and impact in our community, um, maybe one of the most notable things to me personally is that we've just been able to be a part of the larger church in this community, and we've built some really, really sweet relationships with other churches, and for me personally, be able to build really sweet relationships with people like your pastor, Seth. Uh, he's become a dear friend, a trusted ally and colleague. And uh, we've also been able to do some things together. You may have heard him talk about the Knox County Church Network, um, which is a group of like-minded churches that really we come together for the purpose of accomplishing things for the glory of God and for the good of our community. And so uh, we've been a part of this thing called the Renew Clinic uh, that you've probably heard quite a bit about. And we just celebrate the way God's working in that. And so today... Um, kind of in connection to uh, this idea of local outreach, uh, this idea of mercy ministries, ultimately uh, this idea of going. Uh, I've been entrusted with the task of talking about that very topic, the idea of going, the idea of being on mission. At, at Shoreline, uh, we throw around three words, uh, not, not flippantly, but we use three words really, really regularly. We talk about uh, the idea of gathering, the idea of growing, and the idea of going. So gather, grow, go. They're certainly not original to us. Um, they're, they're not, uh, you know, their origin does not trace back to us, but rather they trace back to the scriptures. And ultimately that's basically our most concise effort. It's, it's our best effort of a concise summary of what we want for our people. And I would have a, a belief that most likely that's what you all want, as a church as well, that, that you want to gather with men and women of faith, you want to gather with the believers, uh, you want to grow in Jesus through uh, the disciplines of studying his word and prayer and fasting and, and being together with the body, uh, and ultimately you want to go to the world, and the world sometimes means a nation across the globe, and sometimes the world just means across the street. 
And so this morning, as we think about going, uh, specific to that, uh, I would offer the same thing that I offer to our people, that we often have a tendency to look at the idea of gathering or growing or going uh, as something that we hold some religious obligation towards. But rather, that's a, a, a demeaning of the gospel. Really, it is a minimization of who God is. This isn't a religious obligation that we hold, but rather... It is an incredible opportunity that we're given to steward. And and so when we think about the opportunity that exists with going, I think it's important that we just start with the idea of what does going mean? What does it mean to be on mission? Now, if you think about uh, a missionary that maybe you know of or one that you resource or one that you have a connection with, um, you, you think about someone that's been sent across the world, sent across the culture to and to persuade people towards the things of Jesus, to teach and persuade them towards the gospel. And they're doing that out of a certain calling. And so maybe for you this morning, you're wondering, does that type of calling, is it available for people like you and me? And this morning I would submit to you that each and every one of us are called to be missionaries. Now stop and think for just a second. I want you just to reflect for a moment. Imagine if you were called to a place like India. It's one of my favorite places in the world. It's a hard, difficult place and a dark place in many ways, but I've loved going to India. Imagine if you were called to India or imagine if you were called to China or imagine if you were called to the Dominican Republic or to Haiti or maybe some other place that you've been to before. How would you order your life? And then stop and think, like, how would you pray? How would you interact with the people around you? What kind of neighbor would you be? What kind of boss would you be? What kind of co-worker would you be? If you were sent, your life would be viewed through the lens of, of being a missionary, of reaching the people around you. Your life would be oriented towards mission. And ultimately, my challenge for you this morning, and the reason that that, that Seth has asked me to come in, and I'm so grateful for that, is to challenge all of us to embrace the going that we're called to. Now, at Shoreline, we we, we traditionally kind of walk through just big, systematically just walk through big chunks of Scripture. And, And so we've actually done... Paul's prison epistles here in 2021. And so today, with your permission, I'm going to do something just a little bit different. Rather than just looking at one text, I'd like for us to look at a number of them together. And we're going to do this again for the idea of understanding that when we go, or that when God invites us to go, it is not this religious obligation, but rather this incredible opportunity. And so if there is an opportunity, this morning what I want to present to you is what you're being invited into. And maybe you have plans this evening for maybe something here at the church or maybe something in your neighborhood or maybe something else that's in the community. If you were given an invitation, you would want to know, well, what's, what's in store? And what am I being invited to? Well, God is inviting you into something and I want us to unpack what that looks like. So the first thing that I would offer to you this morning is that what you're being invited into is that when you go on mission, you are a part of something bigger than yourself. When we go on mission, we're a part of something bigger than ourselves. Now, I, I understand that uh, the large majority, if not all of us in this room, are familiar with 
this, this thing that we know as the Great Commission. I want you to turn there for just a moment, Matthew chapter 28. If you don't have the Bible with you, um, I understand you could maybe pull it up on your phone, but they'll have it on the screen here as well. But Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 through 20, says this, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now friends, again, I understand you've heard that passage a bunch. If not dozens, likely hundreds of times. But I want us to stop and think about it for just a moment. Clearly, it is instructive. It is the great commission, right? But it is also an invitation to be a part of something quite remarkable. Think about what you're being invited into when you see the Great Commission. Maybe the first thing you would see is this idea of who you're teaming up with. Now, I am a, uh, I am a West Knoxvillian, okay? I am a West Knoxvillian through and through. Um, I grew up here in this community. My wife and I met at the University of Tennessee. We moved to Nashville uh, for seven or eight years and then moved back. Uh, eventually to plant Shoreline Church. Um, but this is home. My mom, Sharon Hayes, taught at Farragut Primary School. She taught transition for many, many, many years. Maybe some of you even know her. And I've always had this great fortune to, to be connected to wonderful people in our community, uh, many of which I even know you here today. Uh, but one guy that's still in our community, it was actually my college roommate at the University of Tennessee, or one of my college roommates at the University of Tennessee, his name is Steve. Now, Steve is every bit of six foot 11 plus, okay? Uh, every bit of six foot 11, right on the verge of being seven foot tall. So we're basically the same height, as you can tell, okay? And uh, no, that's not the case. So, so Steve and I would journey around the University of Tennessee together. And one of my favorite things to do with Steve is we would play intramural basketball. Uh, I was a soccer player growing up uh, and through high school, and, and so then basketball was just something I kind of always got to do, so I loved playing intramural basketball, and inevitably what would happen is we would show up to the basketball court, the other team would kind of be sizing us up, and Steve would have yet to arrive. Steve was an engineer, uh, Steve was also a part of the Pride of the Southland marching band, and so he was busy, and so you could see the other team was looking at us, they were sizing us up, they were not impressed, and then it was as if an angel had arrived, okay, uh, the doors would open, oh, and here comes Steve walking through, and everything changed, like everything changed because we understood who was on our team. Now, friends, this morning... I think at times we think about uh, being on mission, and while there's great value in doing it together, let's not forget that we're not simply just doing it together, we're also doing it with the God of creation and his redemptive acts. This is who we are unified with. So you think about who you're teaming up with, you see in a passage like Matthew 28, you also think about the message. I mean, think about your message for a second. You've been entrusted with an opportunity to tell the world the greatest message that has ever been spoken. One of our folks at Shoreline is a guy named David Ubbin. He's a sports writer for something called The Athletic. He used to be a beat writer for the for, for University of Tennessee and now kind of handles all things national stuff. But his whole job is to tell inspiring stories. 
Not just to report scores, but to tell inspiring stories. And friends, I, I fear at times that for you and I, we've simply made the idea of sharing the gospel this obligatory thing, and we forget that we're not talking about how Jesus made bad people good. Jesus made dead people alive. And that's true for us. We are dead in our trespasses and transgressions. We are alive in Christ. So we think about who we're teaming up with. We think about our message. We think about what we can offer to the world. I mean, we have hope for the hurting. This is why we do the Renew Clinic. We, 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 we can provide peace in the midst of panic. We can do all of these things. We have a remedy. I mean, what if you had the remedy for cancer? Would you quietly sit on your hands and hold it to yourself? But we don't talk about just our, our physical illness. We should talk about our spiritual illness, that indeed in Christ or apart from Christ, we are dead in our trespasses. But in Christ, we are saved and renewed. So, so to be clear, this isn't an obligation. It is an opportunity. That The Bible teaches that all Christians are to be on the front line of going. It's not optional. It's not only for the really mature or the extroverted. Look at the description that Paul gives in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He's imploring the Corinthians. He says, therefore... What does it say? We, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through whom? Us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. In case you're just still not convinced, look at what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. He says, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. So he said, hey, listen, if you're just kind of thinking, well, Jesus did it, or maybe Paul did it. He said, no, we're all to do it. We talk a lot uh, at our church about kind of deconstruction and reconstruction. We talk a lot about uh, kind of tearing down people's misunderstanding of the gospel and building it back with something biblical and beautiful. And in recent days, we've not just talked about deconstruction and reconstruction of the gospel. We've also talked about deconstruction and reconstruction of the church. And I believe that one of the areas that we have to build back correctly is the idea of personal responsibility. Friends, if I could just ask you to catch this, we must not rely exclusively on others to do what we should be embracing on our own. It, 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 it's a lot about personal responsibility. This is true for, for all of those things that I mentioned earlier. Think about like gathering. I, I want you to grasp this. Uh, we we, we want to help. The church wants to help. I'm, I'm not talking about Shoreline. I'm talking about Christ's covenant. I, I'm talking about the larger church, even beyond our two churches, that the church wants to help gather people. But we should also be able to gather with other believers at times without someone else's prompting or without someone else's arranging. we got to hold some, some personal responsibility. The same is true for something like growing I mean, that the church wants to help, that the church wants to offer Bible studies, the church wants to offer training and, and disciple-making and things of that sort, but that doesn't mean that you can't commit to personal studying the Bible. It doesn't mean that you can't personally commit to prayer. And the same is true for going. Friends, catch this, please. Your responsibility to go and my responsibility to go does not sit on the shoulders of someone else. 
That the church wants to help. The church wants to provide opportunities like the ones that you've heard this week. And I would encourage you to, to jump in and to be a part of those things. But the idea of being on mission was never intended to be confined to the church's mission department or a few service trips or a few mission trips or service projects or a few special days of the year. We are all called to be on mission. It is a lifestyle. It is a posture. And I would say not only is it a posture, it is an opportunity. See, we... we, we probably fall into one of a few categories this morning we understand our role and we've embraced it and we understand our role and we've neglected it or maybe we have not understood our role and we've simply been complacent so I ask you this morning where are you in the, in the midst of that which one are you are you counting on others to handle it or is it possible you're just not thinking about others and that leads me to a second point when we go on mission we also see a world beyond our own. When we go on mission, we see a world beyond our own. So there's this wonderful passage that, that feels like it connects. It, it feels like it complements what we know as the Great Commission. It is the Great Commandment. Look at Mark chapter 12 with me this morning. Look at Mark chapter 12, verse 28 through 31. It says, one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that he answered them well, asked them, which commandment is the most important of all? And that, that's so us. <laughs> that is so humanity, right? And, and let's, let's see if we can make this about us. Which commandment is the most important of all? And Jesus answered, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. Here we go. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And so remember when we were talking about taking on the role of a missionary. We, we hope to function out of an overflow and, and, and hope to, to function out of a compelling rather than an obligation. And I would say that caring for others is one of these things that's going to need to come from the overflow. Maybe this morning you would look at your own heart and you'd say, I simply don't care about other people. And if that's the case, you might not know Jesus. But my hunch, however, is that most of us aren't in that boat. Rather, my hunch is that most of us aren't necessarily just terrible humans who don't care about our community or care about our neighbors. Rather, catch this, it is a possibility. Maybe just a possibility. Probably just the shoreline folks, okay? Probably just the shoreline folks. But it is a possibility that some of us are consumed with everything happening in our own lives that we simply pay very little attention to the lives of other people around us. Just shoreline, right? Right, you're right. And just me, for sure. No, that's the case. We're busy people. We're consumed people. But do we lose sight of that which matters most? And do we lose sight of those around us? Look at Mark 12 again. Look at the verse 31. 
It says, the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Here we go. There is no other commandment greater than these. Why do we think these commandments are most important? It's because they reposition us in the right spot in the Great Commission. They reposition us into the right spot in God's stories of redemption. Life is not all about you and me. There's a big world beyond us. And when we go, we see that big world. See, when we go beyond ourselves, we often see people differently. It's easy to kind of look at someone and, and kind of judge or discern or to determine what you think you know about them until you actually get to know them. And sometimes some of the things that disgust us, we realize that there's actually hurt and harm that has happened in their past. And so before that, we also begin to, or in the midst of that, we begin to sense empathy and compassion. We don't hate people. We desire Jesus for people. When we go beyond ourselves, we don't just see people differently. We see issues differently. I'm not going to start mentioning the issues, and I'm not looking to stir the pot. But I will say in my own, I will say in my own story, I think about something like refugees. It's interesting that we hold on to opinions about refugees until we meet a refugee. Like the one that I met that, is, that, had, that had hurried out of his country in an effort to keep his children alive. We see the world differently when we go. We see people differently. Ultimately, we see God differently when we go. Seth and I had the privilege, along with a, a handful of other folks, a couple of months ago to meet with Tammy Campbell. Tammy is the principal at Austin East High School. And we know all the things that are happening in our community. And it's really easy for us to kind of look at the things in Austin East and wonder, is God really moving there? And then we meet someone like Tammy, who is a faithful believer in Jesus, actively involved in her church, who is praying and pouring over the things of the gospel for these wonderful children that she's been entrusted to steward. And we begin to see God's working in ways bigger than our ways. We realize God's moving in areas beyond our own areas. And so when we go, let me give you a third thing that we get invited into. Something that we receive when we go. We maximize what God has given us. When we go, we maximize what God has given us. Now, I would imagine you all talk about stewardship around here. And uh, we often think about stewardship exclusively as our finances. And that's an appropriate piece of it. But look at something like James chapter 1, verse 17. It says, every Good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. And so your gifts just aren't your finances. The things that that, that you have to push the kingdom forward just isn't your money. It's also your talents. It's your time. It's your energy. It's your experiences, it's your passions, it's your platforms. And this morning, I wonder if there's a possibility that some of us have belittled our gifts. Some of us look at who we are and we just wonder, do I really have anything to, to push the kingdom forward? I can remember when I went to seminary. And I can remember when I would go to conferences and things of that sort. I would hear all of these you know, incredible preachers and they would share these testimonies that, that like were almost intimidating to me. 
They're like, yeah, I grew up in the gang. And, you know, I like, and, and, and they, you know, like, I, I'd been a drug addict once. I mean, it's just like, and then God radically, I was with some guy this week, uh, or not this week, this past summer, and literally he got expelled from a school in high school that he is now pastoring in a, his, his church plant is now in that same school. And I'm looking at testimonies like that, and I'm like, I grew up in Farragut. Okay, uh, like, like what, 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 what does that mean? What am I supposed to do? And then you know what? God one day began to remind me that you know the people of West Knoxville. You know their idols. You know their passions. You know their needs. And it was this thing that I realized that what God had given me was exactly what I needed to do what he wanted me to do. And I would challenge you that when you go, you will maximize what God has given you. Look at Acts chapter 1 verse 8. I think it's not just understanding our gifts, but it's understanding our mission field. Look what it says. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. If you know your Middle Eastern geography, that's basically a concentric circle. You're starting locally, you're moving regionally, nationally, and then globally. And so think about the gifts that God's given you. Think about the geography that God has given you. And then maybe consider the time that God has given you. Now some of you immediately, I lost you right there. Right? You're like, I, I have no additional time. And my challenge would be for you to read something like Colossians chapter 4, verse 3 through 5. This is what it says. So at the same time, pray for us also, that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ, on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. Here we go, verse 5. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders. Here we go. Making the best use of the time. And so, friends, this morning, if you're thinking, how do I maximize my life? I've thought about my talents. I've thought about my people. I would encourage you to, when you think about time, it is not about you finding extra time to somehow bring Jesus into. It is about bringing Jesus into the existing time that you already have. And so some of you men or some of you ladies, you may be thinking, I, you know, I really wish I could start a Bible study at 545 before work every day because everybody's going to want to just hurry into that, right? Or you think, I get a lunch break every day and I'm going to be intentional about investing into that young man or that young lady for the purpose of God's kingdom. Or maybe you're going to spend a Saturday at the ball field and you might bring that college student along because they're going to do anything for a free meal. And you just bring them along and you allow them to see what a godly home might look like. Maximize your time. This is what we do when we go. And we maximize the gifts that he's given us. And let me give you the fourth and final thing. We're not... Under this compelling of obligation, but we are invited into something. And when we go, we experience what we would not experience otherwise. Whether it's to the ends of the earth or to one of these, to one of these partners that you're going to get a chance to learn more about next week. When we go, we experience what we would not otherwise. I love this passage. Look at Mark chapter 6. This is when Jesus sends out the twelve. Verse 7 and through 9. This is he called the twelve. 
and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and to not put on two tunics. And so what was he doing? When they went, they experienced an utter dependence upon the provision of God. And when we go, we get beyond our own comforts, we get beyond our own conveniences, and we see God show up in ways that we would not otherwise. There's a, a, a huge need in our state, in our nation, in the world, ultimately, when you think about something like maybe adoption or foster care. I've shared this with our body, and I try to remind myself of it, but it's this passion that Carrie and I have had for a long time. And I think maybe for some of you that have been a part of this story, or this has been a part of your journey, we often think about maybe something like that. We, we think about the foster child, and we think about you know, the, the orphan, and we often think that when we step into a situation like that, that we are going to rescue them. We think about the Renew Clinic. We, we, we think about, hey, there's the addict. When we think about something like Celebrate Recovery, which we offer, we think about, hey, hey there's the person with the hurt or the habit or the hang-up. And we think often, so many times, we're going to step in and we're going to rescue them. But the truth is, when we go, God often rescues us. He rescues us from our small-mindedness. He rescues us from our thoughts. He rescues us from our selfishness. He rescues us from a self-centeredness. He rescues us from a self-dependence. And so this morning, I would challenge you that you do not look at the idea of going again to the world or across the street as an obligatory task. But rather, I would challenge you to look at it as an invitation to steward a gift. And that gift is joining God in his redemptive work. You join him and you'd seize it. Because it is not an obligation. It is an opportunity.